This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. You're listening to Bass Fishing for Moves on the Paddle and Fin Podcast with your hosts Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. You're listening to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Pat Lincoln Podcast Network. I'm Brad Armando. I'm Armando. Yeah. What's up? What's up, man? Not much. Um, me and Armando just got done um, beating up Ryan and Sean. We got them tied up. We threw them in the uh, back of uh, the trunk of our car, uh, hijacking their segment for this week. So, Heck yeah, man. It's time to, you know to uh, upgrade this segment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... You um, know, you can't tell that Sean's not here because Sean doesn't talk in his segment anyways, but yeah. he's not here anyways. <laughs> you know how to do the outro, the tips, ticks, and tricks? More lips? We have to do that then. Techniques, t- tips, and tricks to help you rip more lips or something, something like that? I don't know kind of catch i'll give him credit for that i mean <laughs> it's pretty tough yeah you're not used to it but it's all good yeah we're filling in for ryan and them tonight they got some stuff going on so you got me and armando just hanging out and messing around for better and, or worse yeah uh to, i think we're going to be talking about uh different things that we've learned throughout the season whether that be tactics or gear or tournament uh perspective and then uh might just throw a little uh game scenario in there how does that sound i like that i like that part kind of yeah. nervous about it but that, i like it <laughs> nervous 
Hey, this might be something you could steal for your segment for some people. I, that'd be interesting to hear. I know, right? It's, uh, I don't know, man. My segment is still evolving. Me and Brian were talking about it, kind of renaming it for next year or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Renaming a seg- segment for next year? Maybe. We don't know yet. Mm. We're thinking about it. Kind of mm. fall more in line with what I'm trying to do with the segment. So Armando's yeah. Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs> Let's get into some fishing talk. Bass fishing Definitely. talk. So we're here to talk about tactics. Um, yeah, let's let's get started. Uh, what was the one tactic that you started off with this year that you've learned and kind of grown into? One thing that, that I did learn this year, um, um, early in the season by January, it's I live in Texas, uh, as most of you, most of my listeners know, and some of you out there know. Um, so weather over here doesn't, it's not the same as, you know, up like where you are in Ohio or, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. So one of the things that I learned about this year, like I've, and granted, I've only been kayak fishing really for like three years. Um, so I always rely since I don't have anybody around me that does kayak fishing actively does kayak fishing for bass specifically. Um, I just have to learn by myself, which kind of sucks in the sense that, man, you see this all these tournament anglers and you see about all the network that they have. And it's a reason why. And not to take any credit away from Russ Snyder and all those guys, but, you know, they have that work where they talk to each other. They feed off of each other. And when mm-hmm. you're like, don't come like me, I don't come from a bass fishing background. I didn't grow up bass fishing, like, let's say, Jackson or mm-hmm. um, don't have that circle around me. So I just have to learn by myself. So I, I rely a lot on like what I see from Flukemaster, Tactical Bassin, um, and some other one out there that that do a great job of teaching. But they're always going to be in their region, you know, and what works for them, which is not necessarily what works for me. And I know I'm kind of getting long-winded with this. But the point that I, that I want, the thing that I learned, and I explain all this because it may be obvious to some people that have been years doing this, are part of that click group that have that network of information or that are from this background, grew up bass kayak, um, kayak, bass fishing, I'm sorry. But for those that are not just like me, one thing that I learned is you always thought that when I, the first time I started fishing in winter, which in Texas, which is kind of mild winter compared, like I said, compared to up there where you are, um, it, I always thought, well, I have to go deep because that's what every video that I've watched is like, you need to go deep, you need to slow down. And this year I learned, um, that that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. I've actually um, early in the year, early in the season, in January, in February, I was catching some big bass on on shallow water, on two foot of water, um, with at noon with um, bus baits and spooks. Hmm. So I learned to start taking information from what I seen again in some of the um, instructional videos out there in YouTube. And listening to podcasts like Paddle and Fame, which I started uh, listening before I started my own podcast, especially the Nude Segment, um, which ironically we're hosting right now. Um, and then piecing those with what applies to to my area. And one thing that I learned, I was fishing in Jopu Lake, and they have these fishing bars on the north, um, north um, ramp and the south ramp. And it's full of clay rock, um, like white rock that they build for those um, – for those for those fishing barge. 
So all that sediment, that white sediment is spread out through this area. So it's all either rocky or if it's soft bottom, it's, it's white clay. Mm. So what happens, one of the things that for those who are not familiar, when you have a, an, a, a lake or an area of a lake that has a lot of stones like white rock, that tends to that's purify um, the water. So water runs through the rocks and everything and tends to be more clear. And one thing that I learned is the water in that uh, area, in that cove, was clearer than any other cove that didn't have a fishing barge. And not only that, but the bottom of it was almost white chalk um, color. So what I learned was that on a good, on a mildly warm, I say mildly for Texas, you know, like a 60, 50, 60 degree day uh, with no clouds in the sky, that area is prime for bass fishing because the 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 water clarity warms up the water and the and re reflects because a since it's all stones there clay stones and white rock it purifies the water so the water is clear and not only that but, but the bottom is white or rock so it tends to heat you know create this thermal climate where mm -hmm. it's really warm in that and they're really active so that's one thing that I learned like I don't always have to go deep deep in to find bass on winter like like it turns like i've learned that that's a cliche you have to look mm -hmm. at the um at the location where you are how that lake affects and in that case even that cove because those two coves where the ramps are are unique there's no other fishing barge that's full of like white rock and all that in that area so that's really unique that's like an own ecosystem a uh, micro ecosystem on that lake so that's yeah. something i learned so t two things that you did mention you, you mentioned rock and um uh uh water clarity the 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 rock uh, for a lot of people that don't know rock holds heat yeah and uh that, that's why rip rap rip rap banks and stuff like that are always good for fish when it's cooler and uh the water is a little bit cooler that they'll hug up tight to that rock and stuff mm. but yeah. Uh, so, are you are are you saying clear water heats up quicker than stained water? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much because the 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 sun rays just travel deeper into the water. Yeah. And, and that's and like I said, that specific area where the water bottom is white, it bounces. You know, the reflect bounces back. Where if it's like muddy or some areas with just black stone or non or just sediment, black sediment. You know, like that black sand, then it it absorbs. But it doesn't reflect it back. That makes sense. I, I've never really like given much of that any thought. Like, I I think this coming year I, I'll see clear water. I'm like, uh, I'll I'll kind of realize that this lake might be warmer than another lake that's stained because it's clear water, and that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, and I realized that because of of I I started you know with the fish finder I would start looking at water temperatures. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, it's a lot warmer here than it is a half a quarter of a mile, you know, yeah. where, where it's open when the cove opens up to the main lake. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, let's try it. You know, let's see. Well, you do got to factor in that the northwest side of the lake is always going to be the warmest part of the lake. Yeah. Because that's but the, that actually, the sun is on it almost most of the day, you know. Well, in that lake, this thing is the. And I I haven't fished the whole Joe Pool Lake, so some of my fellow Texans that are listening might 
you know, comment on our social media posts about this. You, I might be wrong, but from from the area I was fishing, it looks like the west side of Joe Pool Lake, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, it's more deeper. It's mm -hmm. more like Cliff Worth. At least those two coves where the people that from Texas fish Joe Pool Lake know what I'm talking about is those um, brand new fishing barges that they put. It's all like concrete cement and white rock mm -hmm. and everything. They're shallower and um, it's completely different from everything else that's in the lake. So yeah, I, I've that you're right. It does heat up. The only thing is on that lake, the northwest tends to be deeper. Um, I got you. Yeah, that makes than, sense. Than the east. I was thinking back to some of the lakes I fish because we have coves that go off the main lake and stuff like every mm -hmm. other lake, and it's always the west side of the west side of that uh, cove that's always warmer than the other side and it's always yeah. like three or four degrees difference and it blows my mind and that's north and south too because uh, the north side of the lake is always going to be warmer than the south side of the lake and i kind of uh i don't know what you want to say i kind of register it registered that in my brain um last year when we were fishing a tournament we launched on the south side I went over the north side and it was four and a half degrees warmer on the north side. And I was like, man, this is weird. I had to go home and do some research. And that's what I found out that it's always the north and the west sides. Yeah. And that's what I've learned too on, like, like I said, watching videos on you, um, YouTube. Yep. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I, I know you could go into a huge rabbit hole with all that crap, but I don't think we have it all put together to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we're, I not know. we're not experts. <laughs> I am definitely not an expert. That's like we said, like, and that's why we chose this segment, like what we've learned. And again, what we learned is what applies to my area, not necessarily what's going to apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So if you throw grass into the mix, do you think that makes it not as warm as it could be? I wouldn't think so because then if any if there's any grass that survived, like let's say Lake Athens, which is a really grassy lake, mm -hmm. um uh I would think that the water and that's one thing that I learned too on uh, that was a mistake early in the season. My first tournament was in Lake Athens and um I kind of followed that trend of the northwest side. I thought, okay, the northwest side. The problem was that northwest side was like um full of trees and um it was a cove that had like um like like very shade like a shade throughout the the morning mm -hmm. most of the morning even even it was on the northwest side where other areas um there were houses and the marina and everything and they really didn't have a lot of uh shade by trees so i started thinking okay well i'll move to the northwest side and all that turns out when i got there it was all it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't until later, um, even with the northwest side, that it got really more sunlight. And I lost the tournament. I skunk. And what happened was I pre-fished. And pre-fishing went great. But I pre-fished mm. it. I didn't get up early in the morning to pre-fish it. I pre-fished it like at noon. Yeah. So, um, and the wind had changed from a south wind to the north wind from like one day to another. So I pre-fished yeah. it early in the week. So it was a south wind when the... Um, um, when the tournament came, the north wind came and it brought a cold front and that completely changed everything. And that's one thing that I learned. Like it's, you have to just be, you know, not everything is cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the layout of the lake. 
Yeah, it does. It does. I agree with that. Um, I'm just curious. How, what is your guys' water temperatures in January in Texas? Um, I mean, every winter is different. This winter, the last couple of winters have been really mild. Mm-hmm. I should say warm winters. We haven't had... I mean, you could say there was maybe one day where it snowed, but it was like... if I Last year, I think somebody said it snowed. It was snowing, so I went outside. I opened the door, and I saw little sprinkles of, like, tiny ice, <laughs> um, uh, like uh, snowflakes on the leaves. So you can count how many snowflakes you can see on a leaf on the uh, on the bushes. So it was like, yeah, that's that doesn't count as snow. Nobody in, in Ohio is going <laughs> to say it's snowing. It's like BS. That's not well, snow heck. at all. Yeah, it doesn't even snow much here either. But when yeah. we do get a snow, it's it is pretty good at times. But, so yeah, yeah it's stayed mostly in the last few seasons has stayed mostly in the, I would say the mid fifties. Um, in the morning, you know, mid 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 forties in the morning, and then goes up to like maybe mid fifties on a warm trend, mid sixties. Huh. Um, but very few times. I mean, you can count maybe like count with one hand the days that it dropped down below 30 i mean be- yeah. below 40 actually yeah yeah our our water temperatures man went in in january we're probably at like 30 35 degrees mm-hmm. so when you say 55 degrees in texas for you guys that that's about the time in ohio where they start firing up yeah that and that can, here's completely different yeah so <laughs> down there like 55 degrees w- w- all right when is the time that they do fire up for you guys? Like what, what's that magical water temperature? Um, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been three years, so I don't, I can't completely say I'm some, I'm sure some guys out there that have done this longer probably disagree, but from my experience, again, it depends. Um, um, I would say like when kind of around this time was when they should start firing up, but now the fall has come really late this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, Except for like last week, we have like three days that was like winter conditions. But for the most part, it's been the upper 80s right now in the mid wind, the upper 70s right now. But when water temperature um, starts getting by just above 50, um, like up just just below or just around 60, I should say, that's when they really start. I've mm-hmm. seen that it, that it really um, starts picking up. And that's another thing. Some lakes... Um, and some small areas like this week, um, I prefished um, Lake Whitney, um, and I caught two bass that their tail was uh, blooded and eroded. And I was thinking mm, they could be spawning, which is not unheard of here in Texas at this time. Mm. So it, yeah. you could have a spawning. It's not they're not going to spawn as much as in you know spawning season in. Yeah in spring but you get the occasional batch of bass that might be spawning that's crazy man that just blows my mind it that doesn't no. happen in ohio for sure no i bet not <laughs> yeah but what, what i've seen the first time i saw i was reaching watching a video by leg fork guy and he mentioned i was like and it makes sense i've I, this week i've actually caught i would think there's a third to a lake whitney that i that i just because the M1 at uh, Lake, uh, not Lake, uh, Trinity River, right in the, the heart of Fort Worth um, City, mm-hmm. like downtown Fort Worth. They have a nice river over there. It's actually the cleanest urban river in Texas. 
Ooh. And I caught one that the whole tail was almost the whole bottom of the toe was completely eroded out and bloodied out. So I was like, yeah, it's got to be spawning. Yeah, that's interesting. And it was fat too. So usually our spawn is like somewhere April or May, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, ri- river and lake they're different. I don't. I'm yeah. not very big on the spawn fishing though, so I don't really know. Yeah, I know that that's part of me I struggle with. My my favorite time of the season is kind of around this time. Again, mm-hmm. it's kind of gotten the one I'll give it probably a couple of weeks and it's gonna mm-hmm. get good. Yeah. I, I imagine the bass down there are affected more by cold fronts than they are up here too. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of them um public waters they're stocked by from what i've heard from my uh tournament director uh, brian shout out to brian goldsby great guy uh the, they stock them with florida strain bass so florida uh, florida bass are notorious for being super picky with with uh cold fronts so it makes sense because yeah we get a cold front here it's the hard the bite is really hard I just thought of something. You, you mentioned Florida uh, cold or Florida strand bass. Ryan and Sean, they need to do a segment on the different strands with somebody. Yeah, some, some kind of biologist or something, because that would be interesting. Yeah, and I I can't remember who Josh Smith had somebody uh, on his segment Dark Waters earlier this season that he didn't know was a marine biologist and he and he posted on the <laughs> caption of the guys like i wish i would have known yeah oh, that definitely. was uh, jason broach yeah jason broach that's right ryan and sean had him on too that was a great episode yeah did they talk about that i i didn't listen to that one they should talk uh, about that yeah definitely i don't know i i don't remember exactly but i i think they talked about the spawn and stuff yeah that was a good one but yeah so um tournament uh perspective anything you picked up on uh, that helped you compete um do more cast cast uh, per that, minute yeah yeah cast per minute rob mcdonald which a uh, shameless plug um that episode is airing this wednesday with sean every pa- uh, rob pagnano great one of my oh, favorite episodes. yes we didn't nice. we went into my segment is and that's what we're gravitating to. That's what I'm talking about, Brian. It's I'm gravitating to what I used to have in when I had my own podcast. It's have a segment of talking about people's life, like people, whether they're tournament anglers or social media content creators that do kayak fishing. I want to talk about their lives, their struggles, their ins and outs, and mix in a little bit of kayak fishing. I love talking about stuff like that. So we talked more about um, stuff in his personal life and everything, but we did touch on um, some subjects and of kayak fishing of course and one of and his um his showing at the national kbf national championship and what he learned from conant and um derek brundle and he one of the things he highlighted was just that cast per minute just constantly cast and he said that the last day i think he just had to like throw singles on a on a little like um you know on a light uh setup because he couldn't like his arm just he was burned out so that's something that i've learned just kind of cast constantly throwing stuff out there keep going keep going keep going keep going don't stop don't stop yeah there's a guy uh up here local to us Uh, his name is john graves he actually used to be on the podcast with me uh when we started the reel down he always preaches cast per minute and he's in a he's in a hobie so 
of course that, that makes it makes life a lot easier when a Hobie and you can just hands hands free it, you know, boom, yeah. boom, boom. He's throwing crankbaits as fast as he can and ripping them and yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, it's interesting, like and again it's stuff that I'm still figuring that out. But I never I've always thought like I always like second guess, well, if it's not working, then yeah. I have to strive. And a lot of times it's like it's just you know, have a couple of things that you know are going to work in that condition. Um, and just stick with it, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, but there's also the mentality of like, well, it's easier to catch fish with a Senko, but you can't just, if, if, if you throw it like a square bill or a chatterbait, um, and, and let's say the conditions are primed for either one, whether it's uh, fast-moving bait or weightless single, the reality is you're going to do like 20 more casts <laughs> per minute. And I'm just throwing numbers out there. But you're going to do like within an hour, you're going to throw probably hundreds of casts more with a single, with a, with a fast-moving bait than you would with weightless single. That's just yeah. what it is. And that that's that's interesting too because – we're we're talking about search baits versus finesse baits. The the time I bring out the search baits is when I'm pre-fishing. Yeah. If I find a fish, I don't fish that area anymore. I come back on tournament day and then I start throwing the finesse stuff. And that's one of the things I've learned this year, and that's helped me grow as an angler, uh, tournament angler, uh, locally. So that's that's interesting. Do you like? I've heard the first time I heard this was on. Mike Elsa, when he was again, and shout out to Josh Miss and Doc Waters. When I, th- I think it was that podcast, or it could have been KBN. Um, Mike Elsa was talking about his showing the national championship. Um, and uh, that same, um, what we're talking about, <laughs> so all of a sudden I lost, um, the what was it that we just said, Mike Elsie, uh, finesse fishing and uh, no, um, uh, search bait, search bait, yes, yeah. That he was, um, God, I lost the train of thought right there. <laughs> I had it in my mind. I then, think I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about when he was talking, uh, when he was fishing around the cypress trees? Yeah, I think so. And I, he I, he I, had really, to drag it around by uh, pedaling around the tree, and he's just dragging it slowly. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, but yeah, that that kind of mentality, you know, that mm-hmm. um. um it's just like throwing, keep throwing, keep throwing. And, um, and then, uh, Oh, that now I got it. Okay. I'm back online. Okay. So Mike Elton, I don't know what happened to me. I was thinking about something that I wanted to say later and I got confused, <laughs> but anyways, Mike Elson was, and I got blown away by it that he didn't set the hook. Like he would fish and not set the hook. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, what the heck do you mean by that? I, I could not understand. It's like, what do you mean? He didn't set the hook. Like, were you throwing crank? and not like or was it that he's throwing texas rig what what were you throwing that you weren't setting a hook on yeah and that, that's why i learned about it i don't know if i could ever do that though no it's i've heard guys doing that with <laughs> texas rigs and there's no way i could not set a hook after filling that bite i mean that, that takes a lot of patience i had someone i can't remember who it is this was it yeah um i had I think it might have been Chris Santoro. Jack uh, Jack fishing with Chris, I think. Yeah, way way back in uh when you yeah. first started. 
And I think he, what he, was it, was it him? I can't remember. But anyway, I had somebody on my segment when, when I started. They're talking about they blunted out or they would use um, hooks without bar- barbs and mm. blunt out the end or bent the hook. Sort of stuff like that. Like, why? He says, so I won't set the hook on it. I'm like, oh, it's, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about yeah. that. I mean, it was, wherever it was, I knew it was a su- successful um, See, an angle, but I can't remember who it is. That going back to what I've learned in a, uh, as a tournament angler, catching a fish in pre-fish and just leaving that area completely on the, alone. I know there's gonna. I if I if I find one fish, I know there's gonna be more in that area. You just got to find those areas that they're in that look exactly the same as where you caught that one fish. And I try to replicate that, whether it be in the same cove or in another cove or on the main lake somewhere. Just. I'm more of a finesse guy in that aspect. I will pick up chatterbaits and stuff too, of course, but mm. I'll always have the worm or the TRD on or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's been one big thing I've learned about tournament fishing this year, and I think it's helped me a lot. That's, yeah, that's a good point. I don't like what I started doing in my local tournaments now is I'll start pre-fishing it. Like, as soon as I end with one tournament, like, for example, the last tournament uh, that I was, that I fished, as soon as that tournament fished, then I started focusing on um, the next one, which was, you know, about, usually they have like three or four weeks. So I started every week going to that, to that lake and figuring out a different spot. So for the home, so I had like four weeks of pre-fishing and I would go like around two times a week, weather permitting. And then that week or of of uh, of the tournament, which usually which is always on Saturdays, then I would go maybe one day, and hopefully I had it some somewhat figured out. And I'll go just one day to check up to make that final decision which of the spots, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna hit because that's closer to the tournament day. So, and that's how what I would decide how to do, how to do it. Um, but yeah, I have to learn to be more disciplined of just letting it go. Yep. You know, hey, I found the fish. Okay, that's it. Move on. Let's go to another spot now. Yep. It, it's hard to do, but man, yeah. I'm you don't want to wear your spots out, that's for sure. But uh And that's I think that's the balance too. I'm sorry, you were gonna say something. I don't want to get you out of your train of thought there. Um no. You no, sure not really. Yeah, you're good. Um that's one thing that I've kind of like balanced it out because I love kayak fishing, whether it's a tournament or not. So, mm-hmm. and I'm focused, and I'm going to f- start focusing now also on doing some content creating, maybe some YouTube for sponsors and stuff like that. And just because I enjoy it and for myself to document. And if some people out there like it, that's fine. If I get likes, if I get followers, that's fine. If not, I really don't. Okay, I'm just, I'm not trying to be, you know, the super editing guy that's going to blow everybody away with great editing. Um, uh, But just like to document things and then put them out there. And um, it's the balance of learning kayak fishing, learning to be tournament, and then still enjoying it. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times, like like you said, if, if I want to go out there because I enjoy it, but preparing for a tournament, you really take a little bit away from the enjoyment in the sense that you're out there, cliche as it sounds, the, you know, for the tug, you know, yep. and then you have to fight every instinct. That say no, I'm gonna leave this spot alone now that I, <laughs> yeah. you know. So you're really taking away from your enjoyment. So that's one thing that for those out there listening. It's great to come in as a tournament, 
because you learn to, especially for me, again, that I don't come from this bass fishing background. I don't have anybody close to me around me that does kayak fishing that I can feed off from. So the only day that I really go do go get, go out there and fish with hammers is when there's tournament time. Mm. So I balance it. I was like, okay, let, you know, let me break bread with these guys and talk about it after the tournament and kind of watch them. And, you know, some of them I'll tag along and say, hey, man, you know what, if I tag along, you know, kind of see how you're doing and sometimes, and, you know, learn um but at the same time it's i learn more but it's also a lot more sacrifice as far as enjoying the turn enjoying kayak fishing so for anybody that really loves this sport and has a passion for it just know what you're getting into tournament fishing even if you're not good at it it's great to learn because you get to mm -hmm. like can break bread with some great anglers out there and learn that's the best way to learn if you Whoa. go out fishing with an expert that's the best way to learn yeah, and not only that, it, it it pushes you to want to get better too. Cause yeah. You, after a while, you get tired of losing, man. You're just like, yeah. I don't want to do this. I want to get better. I want to yeah. win. And that put that at least me that drives me. And I'm just like, no, nah, top ten is not good enough. I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a different mentality. Some people out there to go just enjoy fishing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Oh, now, I, I'm I can, not saying you're wrong at all. <laughs> no. But it's yeah, just that I, I can mentality. do that. Yeah. I can do that without paying money. So if I'm paying money and in, into it, I'm going out yeah. there to win. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, just that have that realistic perception of what is it that you want to do and what you're doing, what you expect to get out of that. If you're in a tournament angler and you're not really great at it, what are you expecting to get? Are you expecting to win? Cause if it is, and you're not, if you're just learning, chances are you're going to be frustrated. Now, mm -hmm. if your expectation is like, I don't want to win. I just want to, learn more fishing so when i'm out there enjoying myself by myself just fishing for fun i get to catch more fish then that's great you're there even though you're you're paying for the lessons pretty much yeah i can see that that makes sense but going back to the pre-fishing thing i notice if i have a crappy pre-fishing day and i catch maybe one or two fish all within like the same area i know where i'm going the next day for example uh, one of my tournaments this year, we fished from sunup to sundown all day long, 90 degree weather, caught two fish all day long. They were in the same cove though. So you know what I did? I went to that cove. I went up and down that cove all day long. It was probably quarter to half mile. I just kept going up and down, up and down. I got my limit within the first hour and I just kept upgrading. <laughs> As you see, it's that's that patience. It's that patience, yeah. man. <laughs> but yeah, it is. That's one it, of the major things I've learned. How did it go with this season with the tournament? That, was it like now that you're looking back, you're done with your tournaments, right? Yeah. This season, how did it go? Like, are well, you satisfied? Oh yeah, I'm completely satisfied. I, I, I competed in four of them. I think. Uh, let me. See. I can't I think I got. I think i competed in four or no maybe three i got second fourth and then eighth in those three and then want... the other three i missed which which was a bummer uh missed oh, yeah, a river I tournament. That conversation yeah yeah i missed a river tournament uh and then the one where i hurt my hand the day before i ended up not doing that tournament and then uh something else i can't remember exactly but yeah, I, I could have been right there in the mix for Angler of the Year, but things happen. It's all good though. But no, yeah, that's I'm all you could ask for, man. I'm completely satisfied with how the season went for me. I've 
I broke my personal best a few times this year. Nice. Uh, large mouth and small mouth. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's been a good year. Can't yeah. complain. I, I didn't expect to get a second, fourth, and eighth place. And especially in my trail, man, there's some good guys, good anglers in there. How uh, how many do you usually have on your trail competing? Oh man. We have at least 30 every tournament. The first one oh, nice. Yeah. Si- yeah. The first one we had 68, and then we had 40 plus a couple times. Excuse me. 40 plus a couple times. Nice. It's, yeah, it's a big trail out here. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun, man, and, and I enjoy uh, the camaraderie and just learning. And uh, hopefully, this year, next season, um, you know, it's been a crazy twenty twenty. God knows what twenty twenty one is expecting us. Everybody thinking like, oh, it's, it's gonna get better. I know, better, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't. I hope it does. I want to be positive, but honestly, it's like it's right now. I'm like, whatever it is, it is. And just, you know what's you cool know. though, in, what? in like f- fifty years. May, if podcasts are still around, people are going to come back to this and listen to it, and they're going to they're going to be able to see the perspective of what we went through this whole year. You know what I mean? And they're going to be like, "Oh, that's crazy! They had to go through all that." If we survive, <laughs> <laughs> um, God knows we'll be fifty years from now. What? It's like a time capsule, man. Yeah. The, the podcasts are like a time capsule. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it is now. Man, with technology now, it's like it's, everything's <laughs> out there. You know. Yeah, um, it's not like it's not like records that you know that vinyl records or tapes that you those uh cassette tapes that get wrapped around, um, yeah. like a bird's nest on those, and then you know this is this will stay there forever. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I don't know if I if I'm here in fifty years, I might circle back around and just listen to how stupid I sound. <laughs> How Armando's full of crap. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that Armando guy. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, uh, speaking of big, um, so okay, so in general, not just tournament. I would assume if you're satisfied with your tournament, you're satisfied with your overall fishing experience on 2020. Or has been? Are you satisfied with overall? your growth as an angler in 2020 and uh, mm-hmm. what's the um, one thing that you stands out for you about 2020 related to kayak fishing of course um probably just the different bodies of water i fished i i've i have not traveled as much as i have this year which is ironic because the year we're not supposed to travel i've traveled the most i've ever traveled in my life but yeah I fished a lot of bodies of water. I fished multiple different rivers. I did a river tournament in Indiana, and I did well, 17th out of 78. I was extremely happy about that one. Can't complain. Um, yeah, that that was a highlight, man, because I got to hang out with two paddle and fin listeners, Josh Cravens and Nick Necrelli. Great guys. Uh, yeah, float the river with those guys. Uh, yeah, we're good friends now. It's It's, it's cool. Got to meet uh, Josh Shrinko too, the Smalley Talk podcast host. That was yeah. awesome. There's some great podcasts out there, man. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing about I love about how Brian uh, operates the paddle and fin is like we don't. We talked about it. We don't. We, we there's no rivalry here, man. We, we listen to I listen to almost every podcast. I don't listen to, <laughs> but, but you know I try to do. Um, shout out to also the guys at, at um. What's the name of it? Um, God, uh, Paddler's Playbook. 
down in South Texas. Uh, they do I've more. Never like listened to that one. It's a great, great, um, very professional. Oh. Um, I love what they're doing out there. Um, uh, it's mostly saltwater, like marsh fishing. You know, flounder, yeah. redfish, trout. But great podcast. They were recently on uh, Dark Waters on Josh Smith's Dark Waters. Yeah, I'm a little behind on his man. I need to catch up. It's it sucks. Judgment sucks. <laughs> nah, I, I love that guy. Have you he seen? He does his... suck, man. He calls me Big Bird. He sucks. Those fools are funny though. Have yeah, you dude. seen him? I, I gotta. I mean, I gotta haze him a little bit. Have you seen him do his shotgun? What is it? Uh... Oh, shotgun and a beer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel sorry for him. I mean, I love his face after he does it. He's like, yeah, no, <laughs> bitter beer face. <laughs> what is his name? I forget. This guy from Pennsylvania. He cracked me up so bad, man. That guy's hilarious. I need to bring that guy to my podcast. I'm gonna shoot him a message. What's his name? Uh, PA. I forgot. I mean, you should see him trolling him on Instagram in these comments. Like oh, last Jake post. Harshman. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. he said, and he said, yeah, I remember my first beer too. Like. Cracked me up, man. It's like Jake Archer. That guy's a savage. That guy's hilarious. I need to have Jake if you're listening. I'm gonna hit you up sometime soon to have you over to my podcast. He, I love that good, guy. He's a good interviewer. I I enjoy him. I heard him on KBN and stuff like that before. Uh, uh Jay, uh, Jake. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. I enjoy yeah. that. I laughed. His first podcast with Dark Waters kayak fishing. I was I almost <laughs> drove off the road laughing at some of the stuff he said, like describing yeah. how he loves his bass. Oh my god! He's <laughs> something like I love like fat mamas on spandex or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I I, it was hilarious. Yeah, I remember that. That is great, funny. dude. Great character, man. Yeah. Well, um, we covered some uh, things we've learned. So yeah, I guess Scenario? we get. Get into the scenario game. You got a scenario you want to throw up in the air and we could talk about it. I'll let you start since you brought up the idea because I have no All clue. Right. I'll, Let's I'll see steal here. from you. Let's see. <clears throat> yeah. Bluebird skies, sunny, 82 degrees, water temperature is 78. Mm-hmm. Um, no clouds in the sky at all. Um, let's see. A lot of grass in this lake, and the all lake right. is not deep at all. What do you? What are the first three things you're gonna throw at these fish? I just had, I just had, had that exact scenario the day we do that um, Instagram takeover. Me and Dustin in Wheeler Lake. So I can learn what I don't. I can learn from uh, <laughs> um, Dustin what I've learned. Um, <clears throat> uh, top water. Just because they're gonna be looking uh, for, um, and again, credit to Dustin. I, I'm I'm just going by why how he catch ten. He he pissed off a lot of people in that lake. Not a lot of people. They look like five <laughs> guys, but two of them. I asked him, hey, how did it go after Dustin first? Uh, no, not good. But the, there's a guy over there who caught ten. I'm like, yeah, I was with that guy. <laughs> it was funny though. Like they were like everybody struggled except Dustin, and he That's, said he struggled. He was just throwing a fluke, wasn't he? Um, he started so that okay, so that's where I got off topic. So he started throwing like a frog in like two inches of water. It's crazy, like deep into grass, and they were biting it right there. Um, and I was throwing it deeper because I thought, well, the water clarity. I mean, it's it's 
but it was early in the day, so I guess they weren't affected by that. And they were, and they really worked when they were windblown. You know, the shores that were the, the wind was sheltered um, wasn't working that well. But we, when he started throwing it where there was wind sheltered, that's where they were. Um, so I learned that top water, dark colors, because <clears throat> um, was water clarity, so it creates contrast. Obviously, creates that shade. Um, uh grassy lakes on the grass line um something that i'm really trying to get better at um carolina rig worm mm -hmm. ribbon worm on a carolina rig oh yeah and, and and on the grass line as well just a swim bait like a chatter bait um or yeah. or, or something that's not going to get caught up in grass as easily mm -hmm. um so maybe like a chatter bait um or a swim bait with no trouble hooks, you know. Plastic. I think, I think my three would be a buzz bait in the pockets when where wherever there's a clearing, uh where there's no grass. Mm -hmm. Um a technique I picked up on this year was like a weightless uh crawl imitation yeah. on a spinning rod, medium heavy. Uh throw that in that same clearing area and just let it fall on the edges of those uh, grass lines. But it's a I weightless got, though. Like you put a yeah. weight on it. No, just completely weightless, just on a hook, and it it slowly sinks. I mean, no, really no. slow. I got hit a couple of times on a lake here. That was exactly like how I described it. Uh, so that might be a go-to, and then probably a Texas rig worm that's pegged with a yeah quarter ounce weight or something. Because I, I like to just like twitch that worm through through grass, make it you know. Yeah, that's that's you know that's one thing that I have to learn to be patient. Like I was fishing with Catherine Fields in Lake Athens, and he she, and Sher Carbassin too, and they were smoking me with. Sher was throwing a, I think it was, a, I want to, I know it was a fluke. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if it was a weightless fluke. I, um, you know, I'll ask her, but I think it was a weightless fluke, and she was hammering it. I mean, she was catching a bunch of them, and then um, Catherine Fields was show uh, throwing a uh, weightless zinker. On um, on uh, neck um, wacky rigged on and without no way, just the hook and the sinker. I give props to Catherine. I, I tried. I I can't do it. It's like God. I need to get better at this. <laughs> I need to be more precise. Like I, especially a sinker. Like even like it was like it, I know it. It doesn't float. Um, because but still, it's 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 Z man. It's super slow. This and it's not even like a senko that. Even with, without a weight, it goes down pretty quick. She was throwing that sinker, and I'm like that, and I was, and I kept, and she gave me a couple, and I was like, I I can't do it. I just can't do it. It takes forever to get down there. Yeah, I was like, ah, but she you, was catching on them. Usually, usually they hit it when it's falling real yeah. slow. You usually don't have to let it fall all the way down. So and yeah, I'll, and she, I'll usually just twitch it and let it pop back up and slowly sink down. I won't ever touch the bottom. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I was like, I throw it, give it like two, three seconds. And I'm like, instinctively, I got to twitch it. And she's kind of mm -hmm. like, don't let, don't twitch it. Let it fall. Let it fall. I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't yeah. do it. Oh, man, but man, I'm telling you that, that weightless, the, the, the fall yeah. on some of those baits, it's so slow and it, it drives bass nuts. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's, I, it's fun. I got 
I'm getting better at it. I still can't use that. And I and I love it because they're so durable, but I still can't use that zinker from Sima because it just takes way too long. And I give him credit. Those things will last you a hundred, a hundred, they'll land you a hundred uh, bass before they get destroyed mm-hmm. versus like uh, um, uh, Senko, it's almost eight bucks. It'll last you one bite. You're lucky if it lands you one bite. Then the other one that I started using, which is very good as well, because it comes scented, um, is the and I'll probably get uh, slack for this, but I don't care. If it works, it works. Um, that Lunker Log from Guggen Bates does to me. Oh and it's, come on, you throw Guggen Bates? What a loser! I do. <laughs> I'm telling you, they don't, they don't, they don't last. That that bandito bug will not last you more than one bite. But better believe you get a bite on it, though. <laughs> you will get a bite on it. Yeah. Um, so the long logs I started using because they were cheaper than the, the sink than the senkos and they work just as well and they come scented too. But the same thing, it's like especially if you put the rubber bands in it, oh forget it. Mm-hmm. It one one strike, it's all you're gonna get out of it. One strike. If you got but, one, you better land it because you're gonna lose it. Yeah. But with the baits being that soft, they tend to uh work a little better i'm getting oh out. yeah not not work that the action's better that's what i'm trying to say I mean, if, if you I've, i don't know if you've done this but i've done it like in the where i live the complex they have a pool and usually i'll do it in winter i'll go to the pool and then try baits out and see how they work and the action on a single going down there's nothing like it and i tried the the other ones that i'm using now is the uh, barclays and i'm not a big fan of barclays but they got two baits. No, they got about three baits that I'm using. They're Pit Boss that I love. Um, they're um, they're single style um, worms. And what was the other one? Oh, and those HD Cross, which I posted. Those HD Cross are money too, um, because the the it doesn't float. Just the claws float. So it'll. Oh yeah. I love those, man. Um, but that's I I I I throw them out in the pool because it's clear water, obviously. So just watch him and the action on us on a Yamamoto Senko. It's just you get why they they go crazy over it because it's just it wiggles drastically all the way down compared to any other out there. It's like yeah, no, I I get it. I wish I just wish there was a way to keep. But that's what a lot of people don't understand. People like hate on it. People hate on like uh, maybe the the Bandito bug and the Jam uh, and the Yamamoto Senkos. Those are the two that get a lot of flack for not being durable at all. And I get it. I'm a, I'm especially on um, the singles because they're like eight bucks. Mm-hmm. I wish they would last more, but the problem is they'll build it any different. They're not going to get that same action. That's why Berkeley's bait, Jump bait, um, even the Lunkalocks don't get that much action and that same result. Some people out there might say they may have in their lake better results with the other one. Good for you if you don't have to pay spend those eight bucks. But when you look at it, I challenge anybody. Look at it on Clearwater. You're gonna see why those Yamas and Coos work so great. They have a lot of action, and descent is a lot quicker. Interesting. That's one technique I've never thrown, and I need to get into that. But um, which one? Just the wacky rig Cinco. You haven't done it? Oh, well, because no. you do fish more in rivers, right? I would think that. Yeah. Well, would that people throw them in the river? river? I just tend to like swim baits and stuff a little bit more. Who who was it? You or um or uh, this same segment that had somebody talking about river and smallmouth? They said I don't throw a senko unless I see them. Like it was like one percent of 
time he runs throws away Lesenko. It was fishing in rivers. Yeah, for I, I think I was my. Was. I think that was my buddy from Witty Outdoors talking yeah, about his that one. Yeah, that was yeah. yeah, that was what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I, that was interesting. Yeah, it is. But uh, let's do another scenario real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. How about that? Yes. All right. So you're on a really muddy lake, probably six inches of visibility. Yeah, camera um, black and it, blue. <laughs> it, it's really it, it's overcast. It's fifty Jack degrees. Hammer, black and blue. <laughs> it's fifty degrees, Ooh, and 50 then the water degrees. temperature is around fifty-five. Oh, jackhammer, black and blues. If it would have gone, <laughs> if you would have gone something like more like uh, colder, then I probably might, just because probably something that's slower um, yeah. in base. But no, jackhammer, black and blue, and all day. How, how do you feel about chartreuse and white in dirty water? I've. Have I had success with the chartreuse on dirty water? I'm trying to think the way I've tried it. Um, and I've had some success. I still go to the black and blue. I, yeah. Black and blue, even on uh, um Jar uh Jar Jake Harshman again, um PA mm-hmm. forgot his name. You were talking about that on my post for Instagram. Like the, they came up with the so they have the jackhammer now with the uh with the uh stealth blade, stealth right? Blade, yeah. And he was telling me why well, don't why I don't know why they make it on uh, you know if it's supposed to be stealth, why they do it in black and blue. I'm like I've thrown black and blue on clear water and it works oh, great. Yeah. I black oh, yeah. and blue works on everything. Everybody says like oh you have to throw on dark water. Throw black and blue on clear water, dude. That thing will still get strike. Oh yeah, I, I, I just had this conversation with a buddy as well, and I throw black and blue in all water conditions. Yeah, it don't matter. Even if it, even I'm thro- even if I'm throwing a finesse TRD or a Texas rig worm, I'll still throw a black and blue worm in the grass. I love it. Yeah, even if it's clear water. Oh yeah, and the grass too. On the, I don't, I don't like throwing the green pumpkin on green water on on where there's a lot of vegetation because I think a lot of times it camouflages too much. It could, it, yeah. might, it it could. So I like throwing black and blue. That's what I've had more success. So something would, depending too, if it's sunny, then something with flakes, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, watermelon, pumpkin red, or something like that. Um, but if it's like, uh, if it's like clear, if it's like uh, vegetation with like um, clear skies, I'll throw black and blue. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you too. If we're fishing muddy water, I'm grabbing that chatterbait first. But I will give you this little bit of information that I figured out kind of. Glenn Young hit on it when we had the Chatterbaits episode. I was using the Project Z with a turbo curl. And since the Project Z is a bigger profile than the jackhammer, I tend to like that better in muddy water for that reason. And then you add the turbo crawl onto it. It just gives like this bigger looking profile. And I just think it works better when the oh, that makes water sense. is super muddy. Yeah, they they um that project see that's still uh like a chatterbait for jackhammer for um Z man Z man right they yeah. they have like a hundred I say hundreds they have like half a dozen type of uh of Z man right we were talking about that on my segment too it was your segment they were talking about yeah that was yours. the yeah uh, the one that has the wobble head the CFL yep. called the Can- Canadian Football League <laughs> chatterbait I don't know yeah they have a bunch of that one works too on on uh, on um, Dirtier water. Yep. Yeah, it's chatterbait's good in general, man. I love that bait. 
Yeah. I, I caught two fish on it this weekend, 49 degree water temperatures, uh, jerking it through grass, and I caught a couple of them. Derek Brundle talking about how he used the jackhammer on on the national quali- the national championship KBF. That's podcast gold. I'm sorry. That is podcast gold. If you have not listened, and I don't on whatever podcast you listen to, uh, either you know hours or drag or dark waters or KBN, listening to Derek Brundle talk about using jackhammers. It's podcast gold. I'm telling you. Yeah, good stuff, man. Yep. That was the last uh, scenario, so we can wrap it up, man. Yeah, we did almost an hour. Yeah, I think so. We probably, uh, Brian will probably fire those two knuckleheads. (laughs) We're going to have to do more work with no pay. (laughs) I don't know. We got to nail this uh, outro. uh, Oh, yeah. If if we don't nail the outro, I think Brian will fire us too. Hold up. We have to let's listen. I know what it is. I know what it is. Well, are you sure though? Don't be too cocky. I do. I we we need is. we need to get I'm looking for an episode that we have at the tips, tricks. It's just his soft voice. He has such a soft voice, man. He's don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Brian with his outro. Get out of here, Brian. Nobody like wants Brian. to listen to you. No, really. I, I got it, though, dude. Okay, you got it? We got it. Go ahead. All right. You got anything else to add? No, man. Thank Um, Wear your PFDs. Be safe out in the water. Enjoy the... I've been saying this on my podcast lately. Remember 120 rule. Stay warm. Fall in the water. Make sure you don't get hypothermia. So 120 rule always. Good uh, rules to follow right there. Yep. With that said, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Nailed it! See ya! Peace! Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.